0: Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel Galveston.
1: If half of them do end up in divorce, okay, that's sad. However, there are fifty percent of the other ones that are not, and and praise God, He's a God of 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 healing and, and He can restore things, and it's just and even messes that I create or I'm a part of, or whatever, if I'm in a relationship that's busted and broken, he knows how to heal, he knows how to restore. He's a
0: God who just, he cares about his kids, man. God designed marriage to be a blessing, and to meet a need. Even Adam in the garden, free from sin, needed a companion, and God gave him Eve. The relationship between a husband and wife is the most intimate relationship possible between two people, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually as well. It's full of challenges, but as Pastor James will encourage us in today's message, we can't take this privilege and responsibility lightly. Marriages are always worth fighting for. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 18 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: He specifically designed us, male and female, with different attributes. And that's one of them that, that contributes to the reproductive cycle. Like, we have to have that. We have to have that. But for guys in the marriage, while your wife is, you know, if she's going through it, give her a space. Give her a space. Okay? So, verse 20. You can go sideways a little bit. Don't defile yourself by having sexual intercourse with your neighbor's wife. Don't have adultery. Okay? Yeah, it's like, hey, don't here's here's some here's another rule for you. This obviously lines up with, with one of the Ten Commandments for sure. But don't have sexual relations with anybody outside of the marriage. That's bad. <laughs> That's bad. What's sad about that is there's polls that go around that, you know, poll people on, you know infidelity within marriages, and there's a high percentage of people that don't really see it as a problem at all. They're like, man, it's not that big of a deal. It's a sad state. Our nation is in a really sad state. We don't don't honor marriage because we don't know what marriage means. We're clueless as to what marriage means and what it truly represents. And when you don't have a, a biblical worldview on what marriage truly is, and God invented marriage Humanity did not invent marriage. The Jews did not invent marriage. God did. Okay? So when we don't have a biblical worldview on what that is, man, we'll start adding different things to it and and we'll we'll redefine and we'll move the boundaries. We'll, We'll either obliterate them or we'll move them around so that they encompass the things that we desire. And what God is saying is like, stay faithful. Stay true. If your neighbor's got a wife, let him have his wife. You got one. You keep your eyes on the one that God's blessed you with. Don't step out. And vice versa, wives don't step out on your husbands. Right? It's it's a beautiful thing. Marriage was intended to be a beautiful thing, a tremendous witness of the love of Christ and the church, his bride. A beautiful thing. Ephesians chapter 5. It's an amazing thing. But it's not amazing when, we, when we're just messing it up all the time. And, and look, there's no, there's no marriage that's perfect. Um, even within churches, there's no marriages that are perfect and all that good stuff because we're sinners and God has put two sinners together. And they're still sinners until the day they die or you're raptured up and you're in a glorified state before Jesus. But until then, he's a sinner, she's a sinner. And now they live together. And that's like a perfect storm, right? And that's like a, but they're redeemed sinners, so it it should be this it should be this beautiful testimony to a lost world. I mean, that's that that's just it. I know, I know when Nelly and I, when we were about to get married, and I, I didn't have a lot of good examples growing up. I came from a home of broken marriages, broken relationships, not just within mine, but you know, extended family and all that good stuff. And I knew even as a high schooler, I thought like, I don't, I just don't want to get married. I don't want to get married. And and my reasoning behind that was like, I know what it feels like to be a kid who's raised in a divorced household. And I know how how hard that is. And I would never wish that upon anybody. So my thought process was, it's better to not be married then. Because I bought into the lie that if, because this is so prevalent, it seemed like in my family, that I was destined to follow in those footsteps. And I was like, I'll, I'll never do that. And then I got saved. And then, and then I saw marriages from people in church. And they actually, like, and they, were, they were married, and they, they loved each other. And it wasn't perfect, but, man, they loved each other. And I was like, well, that's what I want. That's what I, it's obviously possible that's what I want. And that's, that's kind of fueled the fire in, in myself, and, and I know for Nellie as well, 21 years later, man. And we're not there yet. We still want better. We still want better. And we're still watching other married couples and learning, gleaning from them of like, OK, it's still possible. Don't, don't buy into the lie that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. That's not true. That's not true. I know that's a statistic that gets thrown out there all the time. That's not exactly true. And, and and if half of them do end up in divorce, okay, that's sad. However, there are 50% of the other ones that are not. And, and praise God, he's a God of of of, he, of healing, and, and he can restore things. And it's just, and even messes that I create, where I'm a part of, or whatever, if I'm in a relationship that's busted and broken, he knows how to heal. He knows how to restore. He, he's a God who just, he cares about his kids, man. Let him he establishes the boundaries, and it's just best to stay within the boundaries so it goes on uh let's see here verse twenty one do not permit any of your children to be offered as a sacrifice to Moloch, for you must not bring shame on the name of your God. I am the Lord this is a uh this is man, this is a heavy one. this is crazy because in Israel, at this time, not presently, but when this letter was written, uh, there was a god, false god named Molech, the god of pleasure. And part of the ritualistic sacrifice to this god of pleasure was to place your baby onto his burning arms, and your baby just burns up. Like, this is what parents were doing. This is how they would sacrifice to Molech. Um, And and it's horrific, Uh, it's tragic, but here's the mindset of some of these people in this day, Okay, Let's see if this doesn't ring a bell. People back then, not all, but some, and especially some of the ones who are worshiping Moloch, did not view an infant as a human being. They did not view an infant as a human being. They didn't. They didn't consider them a human being. They re- and I don't know what, how, that, how long that time frame was, but oftentimes it wasn't until they could actually contribute did they have value, which is sad because they're made in His image, knitted, formed, and fashioned within the womb of their mother. God obviously stamped value onto them from the very beginning, from the very beginning. And then humanity comes along and says, well, that thing... Inside you is just a thing. It's not a human. It's not a person. So let's just burn it on the arms of Molech. There's nothing new under the sun, guys. There's nothing new under the sun. And, and this, is this, a deal, dealing with, this is dealing with child sacrifice, which abortion is, by and large, child sacrifice. I know that's a hard statement, and I'm not going to make many friends with that, but I just don't really care that much because that this is a tragedy that our world has gone through. And, and I know there's percentages and all that stuff, but my goodness, 90 some odd percent of, of abortions are convenience abortions. Most of these sacrifices to Molech were, I mean, he's a God of desire. And you have these individuals, these people who are like, here, I have my baby, and I hope by giving you my baby, you'll grant me pleasure and desire. All that my dreams, you'll fulfill my dreams. Because this little thing is a dream killer. It's going to keep me from being able to fulfill my dreams. So here, you take it, false God, and I hope that by me sacrificing this thing to you, that in return, you will answer all of my prayers and all my hopes and my dreams will come true. That was the mindset. That was the mindset. It was wrong then, and it's wrong now. I mean, that's just how it is. That's how it is. This part, this act was one of many acts that brought the destruction of the Canaanites. God's a God of justice. He's a, he's a God of justice. And because he's a God of justice, he has to deal with sin. And he will deal with sin. He's a, he's a, he's a righteous God. So, it, it just—it's amazing how some of that goes on. But, um, but there you go. I mean, this is what they were walking into. This is what they were walking into. These things were happening. Here's another thing. This is a good, another good one. Nice little hot topic here. Twenty-one's a hot topic because my goodness, Roe Roe versus Wade's just overturned and all this good stuff. And you—you uh, you got people who have no idea what's going on. People in the church that are like, just—I don't know. I'm very sad at people in the church. Um, I just, yeah. Look, I'm I'm pro life, man. Uh, you better save those babies. You better save those babies inside the womb, outside the womb, growing up. Invest in those families. Give them what they need to have a chance in this life. That's what we're. That's what the church is supposed to do. And I get the pro, you know, the pro choice people are like, well, you're just pro life within the womb. And no, that's stupid. That's nonsense. We put our money where our mouth is. We invest in the families beyond the birth. That's who we are. Why? Because we care about people. We care about the baby. We care about the lady who the baby is living inside of and growing inside of. We care about the dad who may or may not be in the picture. There's a lot of these guys that are showing up, and they're totally clueless on how to be dads, scared out of their minds. They need more guys to disciple them, to pour into these guys, there's a ton of needs. When you talk about pro-life, there are a ton of avenues to help out within that, within that realm. And if the church isn't willing to do it, then the church just needs to keep their mouth shut. But we are willing to do that. Like we, I'm, I'm on the board of the Pregnancy Center. I'm on the board. I wanted to be on the board of the Pregnancy Center because I'm for those guys and for what they do. But I'm also pro. We're pro that. My family, am I gonna, we're licensed to foster and adopt. I mean, that's, we do that. We've had foster kids in our house. We don't know why we don't have a foster kid in our house now. It's gotten really hard to foster kids in Texas because they changed the rules. And they want to keep them with family, which I agree to a certain extent. But when the family's not really all that good, they don't want to put them in safe homes because they made laws. They made laws. So, man, we're pro life from the cradle to the grave. That's how pro life we are. So, you guys know our deal. I wanna, we want to embrace them when they come into this world, and we want to hold their hands when they're leaving this world. That's how pro-life we are. That's just, and that's who Calvary Galveston will always be. Always. Let's talk about homosexuality. <laughs> why not? <laughs> hey, why not? Why not throw some more gasoline onto the fire? Um, yeah. Uh, do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man, as with a woman, it is a detestable sin there you go. And I know I've watched videos today on people who argue against this. They're all intelligent people. Um, Some of them work in churches. Some of them do not. Some of them don't even believe the Bible. Uh, But uh, they were arguing from this point of how it doesn't mean this, and it was applied to like, you know, homosexuality is actually welcomed within, and it's okayed within the Bible. But this is talking about when you go to israel and then there's these religious temples set up and male prostitution was a part of that like you can't you can't go to church and have sex with a prostitute is what they were saying but if you want to have you know a a same-sex you know relationship with somebody then that's okay this is what the world this is how some of the world is interpreting the scripture here's my problem with that this is not the only place where the bible talks about this okay And and here's the deal. Here's the deal with with same-sex relationships, okay? I'm not talking about, like, we we could do a whole study on same-sex attraction and same-sex relationships, okay? We can do a whole thing on that. Um, I'm not going to do that today. But concerning homosexuality, it was addressed in Genesis before the law existed. And then it's addressed in a few times in Leviticus. And then it is also addressed in the New Testament. Okay? So I think the Lord is pretty clear on his stance on this. Okay? Now, I want, want you to understand, I have friends that I care about that wrestle with these things. That wrestle with these things. I've had students come through my youth ministry who come to me and said, hey, just let me let you know, I'm gay. I say, okay, look, my love for you does not change. But I need to tell you, this is what the word says concerning that. You know, and, and, and I've had those conversations with people, and I, my relationship with those individuals has not changed. I said, so I will always be, if you need anything, I will always be available. As your pastor, I'll always be available to talk, to, to whatever. But I don't agree with you. In fact, we had somebody reach out to us um, when we first started this church, And she was looking. She she's lesbian, and she was looking like, "Well, what's your church's stances on this?" And I said, "Well, this is where this is our stance on it. We 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 affirm what the Bible says, you know. But that doesn't mean that we don't want you to show up, you know. And that's that's the thing. Is like anybody can come. Now, where some churches go a little bit wrong is like, yeah, we want you to come, but we never expect you to change. But that's that's not a that's not healthy." Okay, and, and, it's, and it's wrong just to apply that to one group of people, okay? Because that applies to all sorts of people. The adulterer who shows up to church, we want that person to change, okay? The liar who shows up to church, we want that person to change. We want, we want transformation. We want people to be set free. And so our door is open. It's open to anybody. But man, we want Christ for them to have an encounter with Jesus and to be set free, and for transformation to happen, and what that looks like, posts and all that good stuff—like that's—it's a journey. It's a long journey, and don't think that. I mean, if you read anybody's story, um, man, you, anybody who was part of this this lifestyle that you know came out of that—it's it, a long road. It's a long journey, but it's something that I think Christians need to be. Instead of like turning a blind eye to, or like, oh, we don't want to engage in that because it's uncomfortable, or talks with that. Or, look, our, our role as a church is to fulfill the Great Commission, and we don't get to discriminate on who we share the gospel with. He didn't say, go into all the nations. Well, except for these people. He didn't say that. He says, go into all the nations. Preach the word. Share the gospel. Baptize. I mean, it's Jackie Hill Perry. You guys know her, man. She's amazing, amazing. And she came out of that lifestyle. Read her book. Um, What's it? Good God, Gay Girl, or is it Gay Girl, Good God? Phenomenal story of how what the Lord has done with her and that. Tremendous. But this is like this is one of those things where, and this is hard to say these things because the attacks will come. The attacks will come. That's why a lot of pastors have checked their spines at the door and they don't want to stand for truth anymore because they're like, well, I don't want to upset anybody. This is what the word says. If you've got a problem with it, I'm not the one you take it up with. I didn't write it. He did. And But again, this is something I want to address with truth and love. Truth and love. Because I bet you have, you have people that you're close to That fall within this category. And the last thing they need is more Christians to come alongside and bash them over the head. Truth and love. Truth says, man, this is what God's word says. And love says, love is, I'm going to tell you what the word says, but I'm also, I'm not going to bell on you. I will not bell on you. I will be here for you. I will be here for you. But the practice of homosexuality, I mean, there's, there's Bible passages. Genesis 19 is, is the first. I mean, you got Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's, that's where we first see that. And, and we, we know what happened to those two, those two cities, those two towns, villages. Um, and some people would like to say, modern scholars would say, well, it wasn't because of homosexuality, it was because they were inhospitable. And that was like a crime. And I'm like, well, yeah, they were inhospitable. I agree with you on that. However, they were trying to sexually assault Okay, That's, that was bad. It was the men of the city trying to sexually assault someone. And God's like, I'm going to wipe this town out. I'm going to And he often does this like in, in the very beginning to communicate how he feels about certain things. Ananias and Sapphira, when they brought their offering to the church, when the church first got started up and there, everybody's given what they could. People are given land and property and all that good stuff. And they're like, yeah, we got property. We're going to give all we have. And they lied. And the Holy Spirit killed them. He killed them. Like, they dropped dead in church, you know? And then, but that was God letting the church know at the very beginning, I take sin very seriously. I take it very seriously. And so should we. Why? Because he is holy, and we ought to be holy as well. So th- he's addressing this, because this was, this was practiced in Egypt, where they came out of, and it would be practiced in Canaan. And guess what? It's going to be practiced all the way throughout their historical journey, it was a major problem in Rome. It was a major problem in Rome. And I'm going to tell you this. this I don't think of this being prophetic at all because the writing is on the wall. This will become an even greater problem for America. It will. It's a slippery slope. Once things start getting, uh, once things become permissible, it's a very slippery slope. And unfortunately, that list we just read through, some of those things will be green-lighted and okayed within our nation. I mean, it just just will. We already have professors who are saying, like, yeah, adults should be able to have sex with kids. That's already going on, right? They can't help it. They can't help it. You know, that's, that's just how they're wired. So we need to, instead of making them feel bad about that, we need to, what? We've lost our minds. We've lost our minds. It's a slippery slope. And God is establishing parameters. Why? Because he cares about his people. He says, look, just stay within the boundaries. Stay within the boundaries. The temptation may be to go outside the boundaries for this thing or for that thing. And God says, stay within the boundaries. It's safer in here. It's safer in here. So uh, Leviticus, or I'm sorry, Genesis 19. Judges chapter 19 talks about that as well. Leviticus 18 and 20. Romans chapter one uh, ob- obviously addresses that. Second Corinthians chapter six, and First Timothy, I believe chapter one, um, you know, kind of references these things. It, it's not his design. It's not his design. The only other thing I would say on this, and then I'm going to move on, in the beginning, God, cre- God created the male and female. And he took Eve out of, out of Adam, right, as a suitable helper. Suitable in that uh, means opposite of him, okay? In that, in that language, when he made Eve as a suitable helper, it means opposite of him, okay? Opposite, man and woman. And God put them together, why? To procreate, to fill the world, right? And, and that was part of it. And then you have within that, in my brain automatically goes towards, may, what if the enemy would like to disrupt that thing? And we know he does. We know he does. Why? Because there was a promise made in Genesis chapter 3 that a, that a seed would come. His name is Jesus. Well, you can only get that through a man and a woman in continual reproduction, continual reproduction. So why not? If I was the enemy, I would throw a wrench in the whole pro, the whole process.
0: Pastor James Grizzle has been making his way through the Book of Leviticus here on Bread for the Broken. Leviticus can be a tough book to get through, with all of its rules and regulations. And sometimes it can be hard to see why we should learn any of that at all today. But every book in the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. Several of the chapters in Leviticus deal with people who have sinned unintentionally, and then later come to realize their sin. God lays out for them the steps to take in order to receive forgiveness. Now, the people of Israel brought sacrifices to the priests to pay for those sins, but we have a great high priest in Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice. Leviticus 6, 7 says, and the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven. How amazing is it that we have this great high priest who has atoned for all of our sins. The mission of Bread for the Broken is to help people find hope and new life in Jesus. If you'd like to join us in that mission, we have an opportunity for you to donate and to help us spread the word. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to join us in the mission today. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, you can explore all of the other messages and share them with your friends. And if you're in the Galveston, Texas area, we'd love to see you in a service at Calvary Galveston. We're here Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. But if you can't make it, we stream all of our services on Facebook. Well, we're out of time for today. We'll see you again next time here on Bread for the Broken.
2: Let me paint the picture of man.